you're brand new with us, we're thankful that you're here, as Pastor Derek was mentioning, and yes, there's a lot of stuff on stage that is not normally on stage. They were fighting for it again today. The decoration team has done a phenomenal job. Hopefully you didn't hit your head on a metal rod in the tunnel. The tunnel is, is uh, that way, you know, so again, hopefully you didn't do that, but they did a killer job again this week filling this whole thing out. And yes, there will be smoke coming out of the smokestack right here when VBS hits tonight. We're so blessed to have so many kids. Um, we're actually gonna set aside time at the end of the service um, just specifically for prayer uh, about multiple things, but for our children this week. Right now, just so you know this, we have over 250 kids signed up for VBS. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, yeah. It's, uh, it's really exciting. Um, a little scary. A lot, a lot exciting, though. And because uh, there's normally still more kids who sign up today, and so I'm not scared, if you're not scared, so bring them on. Uh, but it's gonna be an amazing, amazing time, and, and we were praying about that before we came out here um, as, as a team, and just really saying, you know, Lord, help us. We know that we're gonna have a great time together, but help us in the midst of the great time to make sure that we're making much of Jesus. We're being clear, specific, and age-appropriate as we share about the one who died for us and gave his life so that we might have life. And so that is our goal, that's our focus, that's, that's who we are as a church, for those of you who are new uh, with us. Uh, outside, you're gonna notice one of these. Uh, if you walked in through the side, you'll see it there, you'll see it in the front. Uh, this is something for you to take. This is our new month's memory verse, and so we're gonna do that together right now. It's Psalms 27:13. If you remember about two or three months ago, we did Psalms 27:14. So this will actually go right hand in hand with it. If you'll say it with me, here is something I am still sure of. I will see the Lord's goodness while I'm still alive, amen? And that's what we're looking for, is to continue to have our eyes open spiritually, not just physically, but spiritually, to see the eyes of the Lord and the goodness of what he's done. Uh, we also have today, as the video mentioned, following this service, again, if you're new with us, you wanna know more about our church, step one is during the second service, and it's going through this hallway over here. Uh, I actually had someone uh, message us directly last night, and it was such a cool message. They were like, who are you guys, and what do you believe, and, and, and just tell me about y'all. And I thought it was like, I, I like that. Um, we're not here just to entertain you. We're here to share about Jesus. We're here to learn. We're here to grow. We're here to be equipped. And I thought that was an amazing question. Very thankful for that. And so if you want to know more about us, our doctrinal statements of beliefs and so on and so forth, go to that. Step one today following this service. Be a part. We'll have part of our leadership team there to assist you. Uh, we have someone very special today with us. Uh, Tony Evans, who is over Mission Voice Network, which is an organization, a ministry that we support heavily in India. They're, they're vital, near and dear to our hearts. Uh, Mr. Tony and Miss Sue, I didn't have a clue who they were, and they didn't know me in 2016. I believe that was January 2016. And I went to India not knowing anybody, right? Uh, flew over there, and it, I had the best time. And so we went back, me and Tim, we went back, I believe it was 2019. Yeah, tw January of 2019 or 2020? 2020. Years fly by, right? Something like that, 2020. So anyway, like we went there and, and just to see the move of God, to see 1.33 plus billion people, most of which are raised in a Hindu belief system or 20% being Muslim, but to see God changing their lives and revealing his son Jesus through the ministry of so many brothers and sisters who are out there in some cases giving the ultimate sacrifice, which is their lives for the gospel and so, if y'all would, give a very warm welcome to Mr. Tony. He's gonna share just for a few moments about the ministry and about what God's doing there. Thank you, Mr. Thank Tony. you, Pastor Josh. Yes, sir. Thank you, folks. It's a pleasure again to be here. 
to share what our mighty God that you and I serve is doing in the nation of India. And uh, he's still in the miracle working business. Mission Voice Network's primary objective is to take the gospel where there is no gospel and to plant churches where there are no churches. From January of this year through the end of May, we've planted over 1,200 new home churches through the indigenous work of our brothers and sisters who work in a very hostile environment. Many of our uh, church planters, our brothers and sisters there, have been beaten and persecuted for the sake of the gospel. And uh, several have been uh, martyred as a result of that. So Ray, if you can advance this, a couple of things. Uh, it's like uh, Pastor Josh mentioned. Between India and um, China, they the population of those two countries alone constitute about 35% of the world's population. There's 7.8 billion people in the world today. And if you take those 7.8 billion people and divide them into three groups, 33% of those people will identify as Christians. They may not be true Christians, but they would identify as Christians. 20 or 37% of those uh, people will have, they have access to the gospel, but they've chosen not to follow Jesus. 29% of the world's population, 2.2 billion people, have no access to the gospel. They've never heard about Jesus. Hundreds of millions of people in India have never heard the name Jesus. Very common for our brothers and sisters there, our church planners, to go into a village and walk up to someone and says, do you know Jesus? And one of two responses is very common. First one is, what is that? They don't even know it's a person. The second one, most common, is I've been in this village for 20 years. There's no Jesus here. You may check the village in, over there. He might be in that village. We can't imagine that in our, our culture. And so that is the primary job of Mission Voice Network is to take the gospel into those areas to people that have never heard the name Jesus. And you folks make that possible. Mission Voice Network here in the U.S., is uh, we have no paid staff. We have a donor that covers all administrative costs. So if you give a dollar to the ministry here, one dollar goes to the mission field in India. My background is business, and I am continually amazed what God accomplishes with such a small amount of funding. I continually, we read that story in the Bible about the five loaves and two fishes. It's seven to us, seven pieces. But when you put it in God's hand, <laughs> It becomes thousands, and that's what I see him do there. We can sponsor a missionary family of five uh, in India for $50 a month. $600 a year will provide food, clothing, and shelter. That's unthinkable for us. We can go out this afternoon and drop $50 on a, a Sunday meal, and $50 there a month will provide food, clothing, and shelter for the entire family. In the month of of April, we trained over 3,100 adults to run the one-week-long vacation Bible school, <clears throat> which normally would occur in May, but because of the virus, uh, we've had to extend it uh, over several months. Uh, COVID, as you've heard in India, is, is wreaking havoc there. It's very, very bad. We've lost several of our church planters to COVID in India. As a matter of fact, well, I'll wait until I talk specifically about Stephen, but um, we're expecting over 45,000 children from 2,000 villages to go through the VBS program. We did this two years. Last year, we couldn't do it because of the COVID, but the year before in 2019, we had over 41,000 children 
from 1,600 villages go through the VBS program. Now that, you know, when you think 40,000 compared to 250, think about 1.34 billion people. <laughs> you know, to put things in perspective, if the entire population of the United States, 340 million people, were to die of this COVID, our, our nation would be wiped out, decimated. Nobody on this planet, on this continent, on this United States. If that were to happen in India, they would still have over a billion people. It's hard to imagine the numbers that are there. But in 2019, over 41,000 children went through the VBS program. Over 19,000 of those children made public profession to abandon their Hindu gods to follow Jesus. Yeah, it's amazing what's happening. They're hungry for the gospel. The gospel there is flourishing. The church is. And you folks made it possible to build a mission center. If you could uh, slide down to that uh, photograph of uh, the mission center, this is it under construction. It is complete right now. This is in the district of Tutukorin in India. And you folks made this possible. We have about, I think this was the sixth mission center that we have in India. And what, there's usually stages that it goes through. During the per, getting permission to build it, a lot of hostilities, very difficult. During the construction, lots of hostility and opposition to building a church a mission center. But when it, the, when it gets built and services start happening, what happens is that witch doctors usually, a lot of witch doctors will come around and to put curses on Stephen, his family, and the church because they're losing customers, so to speak, because there's a lot of of Hindus that become believers and followers of Jesus. A lot of fasting prayer is required to break uh, through those curses and hexes they put on them. And then the next phase is the entire community will be transformed. Then the people will start defending because they see the changes in their children and in their community and the benefits of God's blessing resting on that place. So you folks make that possible. This mission center um, will be used for Sunday school classes, training vacation Bible schools, training pastors that come in, teaching. and uh, It'll be used almost 24 hours a day. It'll be a hospital because there's many people in the villages surrounding this that cannot afford to go to hospitals. They come there for healing, for deliverances from demons. And it's, um, you folks have seen some of this, you and Tim and others that have, from this church have been there. And so it's a, it's a ministry that God is using in a great way to advance his kingdom in a very dark place. So Pastor Josh and Tim were a great blessing when they were a year ago in January, year and a half ago. And uh, that's the last time we've been able to go, by the way, because of the virus. Hopefully we'll be able to go back this January. But uh, you folks make that possible. I compare this a lot to World War II. In World War II, there were actually a small percentage of American citizens on the front lines in harm's way. The vast majority were back home providing resources for them to do effective warfare. Had it not been for the war resources, we would have lost the war. One of the spiritual warfare fronts in the world today is India. And there are men and women, they're in harm's way. They're willing to lay down their life, but they need help. They need our resources. And you folks are a great blessing to do that. You'll never know on this side of glory what you have accomplished to advance God's kingdom there and how many people 
score, thousands of people will be in heaven as a result of this mission center that you've made possible. Uh, if you scroll down and show uh, Stephen there, Ray, scroll down a few pages there and um, show you Stephen. And uh, he is a powerful preacher. When Stephen was about 19 or 20 years old, he was making the decision of what he was going to do with his life. And he says, I am not going to be a pastor. I am not going to be in the ministry. He says, my daddy come home beaten and bloodied too many times. But God captured his heart and Steve surrendered to it. And he's a powerful man of God. And this is Stephen here giving out a, a rice bag to a, a, another church planter. He's a powerful, he just recovered. He was in the hospital for a couple of weeks with COVID and has just uh, recovered from that by God's grace. Uh, next picture shows his daddy, Peter. Peter and I are very close. You ever read Gulliver's Travels? That's what you feel like when you go to India. You're in the land of the Lilliputians. You can see uh, Peter here, and Americans are giants there. But uh, Peter has planted 20-some churches, and uh, this is Stephen's father. Been beaten scores of times. And I want to share one story about uh, Stephen's father. He really was close to me because we were close in age, and at the age of about 65, 566 he was when we first met him. A gang of 40 hostile Hindus come and told Peter, if you meet with your believers this Sunday in your church, we're going to come and kill you. Peter was undaunted by that. He met with the believers. They came. They did not kill him, but they destroyed his house, his church. Just knocked the brick walls down, tore the roof off. When we got there a few weeks later, he had the roof back on, putting the bricks back up. A year and a half later, we had an open-air gospel meeting in that village. Hundreds of people were on the side of the mountain hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ preached. The, the village experienced a radical transformation. Peter, the church was firmly established. Peter appointed a leader, and he told Brother V that God has called him to plant another church. He's about 68 years old at this point. And Brother V says, well, where are you, where are you going? He's Karnataka. Karnataka is another state which he does not speak the language Brother V says, well, where in Canada are you going? He says, I don't know, but God will tell me when I get there. So he and his wife pack up what you and I would consider overnight bag, all their belongings, get on a bus, 28 hours north they ride. God speaks to Peter and says, there's some people out in the bush here I want you to take the gospel to. He gets off, didn't hear from Peter for a couple of years. And then he heard that we were in India, took a 12-hour bus ride to come visit where we were at and to share his story. He had planted a church. He had about 20, 25 people come to his church. But the main thing all of the tribal pastors in the surrounding area were coming to him for teaching and training because in these remote areas, they don't have the opportunity to go to Bible uh, training. And so we train all of our church planters, and he was able to teach and train them how to organize, how to, the doctrines of the, the church. And as he's relating the story, I'm wondering, how on earth do you do that? And the only answer to that is how the apostle Paul did it, and that is through the power of the Holy Spirit. And it's just like uh, Josh was saying, when you go there, to see the manifest power of God at work through the lives of uh, his saints today in another part of the world. So thank you, uh, folks, and God bless each of you, and uh, it will be here afterwards if you have more questions. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yes, he's going to be here after the service, so if you want to know more um, He's got so many stories and so many things he can tell you, and 
Two is the, the fact that, yes, we've been able to build the mission center that you see behind us, and that's through every week when you, you give financially, whether that's physically or through the app or whatever, it's not just here, it's, it's abroad, okay? So you're making an impact in people's lives that, yes, you will never meet here and now, but for all of eternity, you're going to rejoice together with because you were a blessing to someone else by using what God's given you in the first place. And so I wanna just say thank you again for the generosity that you have uh, as a church that we show to other people, but also too is, you know, they're a part of our monthly giving as well beyond the Mission Center. Um, it's a ministry that we believe in, what they're doing and the impact that they're making. And if you wanna go to India, lots of traveling, lots of fun, lots of wild stuff going on there. If you're down for adventure, you need to go. And again, talk with Mr. Tony after this service. I'm gonna, at, at the end of it, if you'll kinda come in the front, that way anyone, if y'all want to, y'all come say hello. If nothing else, shake the man's hand and let him know you're thankful he made the, the trek all the way out here. Uh, his wife, Miss Sue, she is amazing, but she had to go back home. Uh, he was mentioning because of, a, of some type of, of tooth issue that she had to have surgery and get, get that fixed. So anyway, we miss Miss Sue today, but uh, we're, we're thankful that Mr. Tony is here. We're gonna be in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 18 today. If you're with us, as I mentioned earlier, we're glad if you're brand new, it's good to have you. If you've been here a long time, it's great to have you as well. Uh, as Bubba Sally says, you gotta stay focused and, and gotta get the message in this morning, so we're gonna keep it a little shorter than normal and uh, not blow it. Uh, we're gonna focus on that today. So we're in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 18 through 29, and what we've been looking at throughout Hebrews is what? That Jesus is who? He's greater than all that has preceded. And in chapter one, we looked at that what? That long ago, and at many times, God spoke through the prophets but now he's spoken through his son, Jesus Christ. There's no one like him, there's no one comparable to him, for he is God in the flesh. And he's made himself known, and therefore the message that we receive, chapter two, how can we neglect it? How can we neglect the salvation that comes only through Jesus Christ? How can we hear the good news, which Jesus is the good news, how can we hear that he forgives sinners of sins, that we recognize that we are not right before God, and once we understand that, how can we hear the good news and then reject the good news and not imagine the destruction that comes from that? He said in multiple places in chapter six as well as chapter 10 and others as well, he says, what, what are we gonna do if we receive Christ and then forsake him? What hope is there for a person who tastes of all the good that God has to offer and then says, I don't want it? He said, there's nothing. There's no hope for these people who do such things. And so we've, we've made our way the last two weeks, looking at chapter 11, all of those who come before us, all of those who have fought the good fight, who've lived the life, who've gone through difficult times, as he was mentioning, even people right now today, it's not as though people don't die for the name of Jesus. That still happens today. Persecution still happens today. It's not something that we just read about in the book of Acts. The book of Acts didn't stop at chapter 28. It keeps going. Acts is still being written for it is the acts of the people of God that continue to happen today, even now. Even this evening as we come before God asking for these children to come to an experience of revelation to know him God is still powerfully working in the lives of so many people. So chapter 11 was to help us to recognize all those who have come before us, who it says that the world wasn't worthy of them. It says they were looking for a city whose foundation was the maker and the builder was God. If they wanted to go back 
to some other physical place, location. They could have gone back, but no, they said, we want God. We seek him, and we seek the things of God. And then last week, we talked about running our race, the race of faith, running because we have an author and a perfecter, one who's gone before us. He's shown us the way, how to go about it, how to do it. He says, I am the way, and I am the truth, and I am the life. We follow him, and we follow his example. And so we looked at these things, and we saw that we don't want to be like Esau, who gave up everything just for what? Something temporal, just something small. Don't be like that. And so this week, what we look at is we have come to a new covenant. We've come to, if you will, two mountains. We're all journeying. We're all traveling. One's to go into Mount Sinai where we stand, if we will, on our own two legs. And God says, have you obeyed? Have you perfectly obeyed all the commandments? And the answer is absolutely not, not even remotely. Not even close. All have sinned and all have fallen short of the glory of God. The wages of sin, what? It's death, not just physically, but eternally. But the gift of free life, or the gift of life is through Jesus Christ. We've not come to Mount Sinai. We, as the people of God, have come to what? Mount Zion. And so that's where we pick up today in verse 18. For you have not come to what may be touched, a blazing fire and darkness and gloom and a tempest and the sound of a trumpet and a voice whose words may the hearers beg that no further message be spoken to them. For they could not endure the order that had been given. If even a beast touched the mountain, it shall be stoned. Indeed, so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I tremble with fear. But you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to innumerable angels and festal gathering and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the sprinkling of blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. See to it that you do not refuse him who is speaking. For if they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, much less will we escape if we reject him who warns from heaven. At that time his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised yet once more will I shake not only the earth, but the heavens. This phrase, once yet once more, indicates the removal of things that are shaken. That is the things that have been made in order that the things that cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, and thus let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. And that is the word of the Lord this morning. If you're taking down notes with me today inside of your app or inside of the worship guides, number one is this. We are those who have come into God's blessed presence. Like we're, we're the people, not who've come to a mountain that can be touched, not one that's filled with gloom and darkness and a trumpet blast that absolutely was excruciating or to a voice that overwhelmed them. And they said, we don't want to hear it anymore. Moses, you speak to God. You talk to him. We don't want, can't handle it. It even says that Moses, this of course, most of this is coming out of Exodus chapter 19, verse 12, 13, 16, somewhere in that area. It's coming out of Deuteronomy 4 and 9 and other places as well. But it says even Moses was, a, he feared and he trembled. 
And God was the one who had spoken to him before, told him to go to Egypt, told him to tell Pharaoh to let my people go, had performed all the signs and the miracles, brought them out, split the Red Sea, brought them to Mount Sinai, right? He was the same one, and yet the presence of God, it wasn't just this warm, welcoming party with drums and trumpets and nice sounds and everything in festal gathering. No, this was like, this was the very presence of God shaking the very core of this mountain, descending upon it in fire, in dark clouds and smoke. You know, you hear a lot of contemporary songs sometimes take language. Lord, set us ablaze. It's like, really? I know what they mean by that, but really, you wanna be set ablaze by God? You, You want God's presence to be fully manifested, which if anyone were in the presence of God, they would die? What does he say? He says right here, it says that no animal could even touch the mountain. If it did, it would be what? It would be stoned. What makes that mountain so special? Why would an animal be stoned? I mean, surely before that and after that, animals had come up on the mountain, hadn't they? The answer was absolutely right. Why would they have been stoned? Because God had descended upon the mountain and his presence was there and therefore God is what? He's holy. What we find is a holy and righteous and a just God has descended upon this mountain and says, you cannot come into my presence or you will die. I mean, are y'all following what's happening here at Mount Sinai? God comes there and the people over here saying, we don't want to hear it. They're shook to their core, overwhelmed by the sound of the trumpet that's just louder and louder and louder. And they're just like, we don't want it anymore. We can't take it anymore. The mountain couldn't be touched. It was burning with fire. Look at your verses right there, 18 through 21. Darkness and gloom and storm and trumpet blast and a voice is speaking these words. It says, this is not a mountain that you're just like, I'm just gonna approach. And God said, you can't just approach it because I'm, I'm there. Where are we gonna find this break, right? How are we gonna get into God's presence? How are we gonna get into right relationship with him? How can we be in his presence without dying, right? That's all that the Old Testament was about. If you saw the angel of the Lord, you would die, Multiple times they saw a manifestation of God and and some of the people were like, I'm gonna die, right? Where are we going to have actual communication? There's no communication here, is there? I mean, how is that gonna even take place? How are we gonna have this warm, intimate relationship? How are we gonna call God Father? You know, how, how are you going to have peace with God, like how are you gonna draw near knowing that if you touch the mountain in this case, you're dead? How are you going to do it in how? Jesus, God became a man. God took on flesh, John 1, 14. God in his fullness dwelt in the person of Jesus and was pleased to do so. Fully God and fully man, truly God and truly man. And, and that's why it says in Hebrews chapter two, he said he became like what? Like his brothers and like his sisters so that he might take on our flesh, that he might die the death that we deserved. What do we see? Second Corinthians five seventeen, And all the way to 520, but 520 says specifically, he who knew no sin became sin so that we might become what? The righteousness of God. Not that you've never committed a sin, not that you won't commit a sin today, and not that you won't commit a sin tomorrow, but God sees us, a legal term, righteousness, he sees us as he sees his son Jesus. Jesus took on 
all the sin of the world and died your death that you deserve so that you might what? Be able to be in the presence of God. Be able to be in festal gathering. Be able to come not to a mountain that's shaking and fearful and trembling. No, what? God's love cast out fear. He loved us first so that we might what? Love him as well. Amen? We don't go to that mountain. Verse 22, where do we go? But you have come, present perfect. So physically we're waiting, right? We're in the already but not yet. We're in that tension, right? We're waiting. We're waiting for the new heaven and the new earth. We're waiting for resurrected bodies that aren't broken and minds that aren't tainted by sin. We're waiting, amen? But it says that you have come already. You're there. And you are in the list, chapter 11, of all those, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Sarah, and all of these other people who have come to God's presence. You're in that order. You're of that line. What does he say? You have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, innumerable angels, and festal gathering, assembly of the firstborn. It keeps going and going and going. What do you see now? Communication. You see warmth. Revelation 22, verse 4, we are going to see him face to face. He shall put his name on us. We shall be in the heavenly city. New heavens, new earth. All things that were accursed are gone. All things which are God and a blessed are there. Never, ever to be separated from the presence of God forever and ever. At the right hand, it says, are pleasures everlasting and joy unspeakable. Psalms 11 or 16, verse 11. So what do you find here? You find Mount Zion, which is, 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 you can translate it in both sides, Mount Zion, and also being taken to New Jerusalem, and which is another way of saying that's where the presence of God dwells. And what does God do now? You can't come to the mountain on Mount Sinai because you can't stand the judgment of God because no one's righteous. Now you've been what? Now you've been brought into the heavenly assembly. Now you've been brought where the party's actually going on. For those of you who think in some form or fashion in your mind that for all of eternity it's going to be the most boring church service you've ever been to, you're not reading the Bible, just admit to that. Festal gathering means that there's partying and celebration and all that which is filled with joy. The only joy you ever experience in this life is a gift from God. I should just be straight about that. Joy is God's gift, and Satan loves to taint God's gifts. He can't create anything. God's the one who gives that which is good. He only taints it and perverts it, okay? And yet God's saying, you will have unhindered joy in my presence. You'll have relationship with me. I have a friend, and I'm sure y'all do too, but on social media, they're, they're a trip advisor, and last year, you couldn't do anything, right? You weren't going out taking pictures at all these beautiful places and alluring and enticing people to go to places, you know, and all that stuff, right? Well, now, it's, it's pretty much back open, and so all these pictures are popping up and all these cool locations and great camera angles and sunsets and beautiful things, right? And what's it causing you to do? For you to think, man, if I was there, how much I would what? I would relax, how much I would enjoy myself, how much I could, I could see myself sailing on the boat or climbing the mountain. I could see myself doing all those things. Isn't that what commercials do? Isn't that what they're meant to do to entice you to say, man, if I was only there, then things would be better. What is he doing here? He's over here saying, do not forget where you have already come, but what we are still waiting for. We have a heavenly Jerusalem where God's very own presence dwells, and he what? 
He warmly invites all of his people to come. He warmly invites all of his people to come, to enjoy, to engage. Four different times it says to draw near in Hebrews. It's not on the screen, but just listen with me. Hebrews 4.16, it says, Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in the time of need. What do we find on Mount Sinai? Do not draw near or you'll die. What do we find now in the new covenant under Jesus by his blood that speaks a better word? What do we find? Draw near. Come to God. Come to the throne of grace. Come with what confidence? Some of your versions say boldness. What do we call him? Fearful God? No. Reverence and awe? Approaching God? Yes. We call him Abba. We call him Father. Hebrews 7.25. He then is able to save Jesus to the uttermost, those who what draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. Hebrews 10, 22. Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. Hebrews eleven six. And without faith, it's impossible to please him, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and rewards those who seek him. What's the whole point? What are we finding here? What are we finding? We find one mountain. You can't come close. You can't touch me. You can't see me. No closeness, no relationship. Keep a distance. Obey. Here, we find Jesus who on the cross, who fully obeyed in every possible way, with his last breath says, it is finished. And now he calls us to receive. What's he say in verse 28? Look again, receive with a grateful heart, receive a kingdom prepared for you. What does that mean to receive a kingdom prepared for you? It means as heirs, we've got something to receive and to rule over with Christ. Receive it with a what? A grateful heart. Just think about what God has done for you, not because you're amazing, not because you're worth it in and of yourself. No, our value, our worth comes from what? That Jesus chose us, redeemed us, bought us with his blood. And because of that, that's where you have your identity. That's where you find your worth and your dignity. And that's where you have your hope and your future, which leads me to the second point. God will someday remove all that which can be shaken. He will do it. This is the warning. He gives us the good news. And he goes back to a warning. Do not forget Haggai chapter 2 verse 6 says that God will shake all that which can be shaken in Haggai. He actually says the land and the sea and the heavens and the earth, and he names it, it's all inclusive. The author of Hebrews, on the other hand, names just the earth and the heavens, which is another way of saying everything that is created will be shaken. Everything that is created will be in some form or fashion completely remolded, decimated, as much as you love your house, maybe, and maybe you don't, but maybe you do. Don't worry about it. As much as you say, man, I worked so hard to get the property or to get the things that I have or to get the status that I have, God is creating a new heaven and a new earth, renewing all things, redeeming it. And man, that gives me so much joy. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, at the end of that chapter, Paul is telling the believers in Corinth, he's saying, listen, all are yours. Paul, Peter, Apollos, all are yours. Earth. Heaven, it's all yours, and all is Christ, and Christ is in God. He's like, you got it all, guys. Stop bickering over the stupid, superficial stuff. 
It's all yours. Just enjoy it, man. Just enjoy it. Learn how to share with each other. You know what I mean? Like, be the people of God, a family, right? God will someday remove all that can be shaken. Look at verse 26. At that time, his voice shook the earth when he spoke, right? Mount Sinai shook the earth. At that time, it did it. But now he is promised, again, Haggai chapter two, verse six, yet once more will I shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. For what? So that all things that are created, all things are gonna be what? Shook. Jesus compares it in Matthew 24 to what? Birth pains, famines and pestilence and earthquakes. These are not what the end, but they are the beginning of birth pains. What happens when you begin to have contractions, birth pains, what happens? That means there's time, it's coming. You're like, but I don't know when it's coming. It's coming. They thought it was coming 2,000 years ago, and you're like, well, why should we keep thinking it's coming? Because he said it's coming. And you're to what? Stay awake, spiritually alive, quicken your heart. We're not those who sleep. We're not of those of the night, for destruction will come. Jesus says, I'm gonna come as a thief in the night. You're not gonna know when. He says they're gonna be eating and drinking and dancing, so you think that all of a sudden everything's gonna just be all different and then we're gonna know, it's gonna be soon. No, no, no. You will not know, and when he does come, you either are or you aren't. This time of decision is long gone and long over, no scare tactic, just reality. You either are or you aren't one who follows and loves God with all of your heart. Because those who say that they want heaven hate the idea of hell only for self-preservation. You're not a Christian anyway. Only those who love God with all their what? With their heart. That's something supernatural that God has to do. Something that God has to do. He is bringing cataclysmic change. It says this in Isaiah chapter 13, verse 13. It says, therefore I will make the heavens tremble and the earth will shake will be shaken out of its place in the wrath of the Lord of hosts in that day of his fierce anger. Isaiah 24, 19 and 20. The earth is utterly broken. The earth is split apart. The earth is violently shaken. The earth shatters like a drunken man. It sways like a hut. Its transgressions lie heavy upon it and it falls and will not rise again. Second Peter chapter three, verse 10 and 11. This is in your worship, God. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. And then the heavens will pass away with a roar and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness? How are we to live then? How? If this is how it will be and how it will end, how are we to live? in lives of holiness, in lives of godliness. The day of the Lord is drawing near. See, for a Christian, this is great news. You're like, this don't sound like great news. It does not sound like good news because it's not. That's the thing about the New Testament. It's almost like people who don't know the Bible, don't read the Bible, like God was mad in the Old Testament, he's, he's happy in the New. <laughs> God's grace is all the way throughout all of history, okay? Old Testament, New Testament, grace is everywhere. If you got what you deserved, we're all gone, we're all dead, no chance, right? Psalms 51 says we're born in sin and iniquity, okay? So what we're looking at here is that God's over here in his great mercy, 
Romans chapter two, verse four, he says that his mercy and his kindness is what? So that we might respond to the gospel of Jesus, that we might repent of our sins, that we might trust in the one whom he has sent and his name is Jesus, right? That's, that's why there is delay, if you will. That's why there is time. That's why there is patience. But God is drawing near and for us who are believers, what do we do? We say amen and come Lord Jesus, right? Isn't that the word of the Apostle John at the end of Revelation? Come, Lord Jesus, come. Amen. I gave a message, I don't know, years ago, and one of the people kind of took, not to heart, they kind of made it into a joke, but I said, it's all gonna burn. And I don't take that comment back. It is. It's all gonna burn. He says, I'm not gonna flood the earth again, but it's all gonna burn. And so they put a note on somebody's door the next day and says, your house is gonna burn, something of that nature. Stuck a note on the door, and it was, it, was a, it was a joke, of course, but nonetheless, the people, they came to church as well. They thought it was quite cute, and they sent me a picture of it, and I was like, yeah, it's gonna burn. Nothing lasts, man. Everything's gonna be what? It's gonna be shaken. Everything falls apart. Even, even Paul before Felix, when he was in jail, Acts 25, what does he do? He preaches to him about what? Righteousness and holiness and self-control and the coming judgment. And as soon as he starts talking about the coming judgment, what does Felix do? I don't wanna hear any more. I do not want to hear any more of this stuff. I'll get you at another time. Why does Felix not want to hear about the coming judgment and self-control and righteousness? Why does this world, and why do most churches, for the most part, not preach about righteousness and the holiness without which you will not see God? Why? Because no one wants to be convicted of sin. How do you build big churches? you got to tell people how awesome we are, right? You gotta have messages that are right off the tip of the tongue, one or two verses taken out of context, a bunch of personal stories in the process, and then tell you how you can do better, you can change your life, just be a go-getter and pull yourself up by the bootstraps. My problem is that the Bible says you don't even own boots. Only by his grace are we here. And that's good news. It's when we recognize the weight and the reality of sin and the holiness of God that we come into verse 28 and so clearly, and that's why we're able to say, I'm grateful. The more I can see what I deserve and the more I can feel the weight of the sin in my life and my actions and the things that I've thought and the things I've engaged in, the more that I can see that and feel that and be expressive of that, the more that I'm able to see that he is a wonderful savior that I am so undeserving and I am yet still so loved by him that I cannot help but say, Lord God, even in my darkest hour, even in the valley of the shadow of death, I have nothing to fear for you are, you're what, you're with me. You're with me, my king, you are there. I don't even have to feel like you're there, but I know you're there. And therefore I follow you. How can we respond to such a great salvation? And third and close is this, with grateful hearts. Let us receive a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Man, with grateful hearts, receive it. Receive what God has prepared for you. What does it say? Matthew 25, he prepared it for you, his people before the foundations of the world. Now, I'm not, I don't know if you're old earth or new earther, but let's say 15, 13 billion years ago, long before that, it says that God prepared it for you. Ephesians 1, 
knew you before the foundation of the world and called you to be blameless in Christ Jesus. That's us, his people. How do we respond to that? With grateful hearts. I get caught up like everybody else, right? With the temporal, mundane, and things that happen. And there are definitely times when I'm not grateful. But to be honest, if your life is marked by more ungratefulness than gratefulness, I don't don't understand you if you claim to be a follower of Jesus. It doesn't make any sense. If your daily life is marked by more instances of complaint rather than adoration for God, it does not add up biblically. It just doesn't make sense. With grateful hearts, with grateful hearts, receive the kingdom that God has prepared for you. Jesus sent out his disciples and they came back cheering, man. They're like, yes, even the demons, even the demons are subject when we call upon your name, Jesus, Luke 10. And then Jesus immediately cuts them off and he goes on to this. Do not rejoice that even the demons are subject by my name. Rejoice that your name, Luke chapter 10, verse 20, is written in heaven. Jesus is saying, you, got, you just don't, you don't fully get it. You don't understand all that awaits you. Because we're all looking for something that can't be shaken. You know that as well as I do. I just got a chance this last week on, on Memorial Day to speak with a police officer and, and, and him just to share, you know, basically his initial dis, disillusionment about people. He says, but at this point in time in my career, I've been there long enough, nothing surprises me anymore. Nothing surprises me with what people say and what people do and with those who look squeaky clean on the outside, but yet behind the scenes, what's actually happening, nothing surprises me anymore. And honestly, police department, fire department, military, and anyone who deals with people in their lowest of lows, man, y'all have to guard your hearts more than anyone else. Like specifically, I pray for you guys to guard your hearts more than anyone else because you are dealing in some cases with some of society's most broken, most hurt, and therefore most broken and hurtful people, some of the lowest in senses of lows, and yet that's who you're surrounded by a lot of the times and therefore can be very easy to completely do a swipe of entire people groups and say that they're all like this. And I told him, I was like, I, I can't relate fully, but I can relate in ministry. Like, you see people all the time, and again, they're on fire for Jesus. Six months in, loving the Lord, man. Living a totally different life behind the scenes. And then, to make it smoother, well, then hop to another church because they don't know your situation and they haven't been with you, haven't been able to hold you accountable and they just welcome you with open arms because no one really even asks anymore, where are you coming from? Who are you? What's your past? How can we serve you? So they just disappear because they don't want to deal with what? They don't want to deal with a message like this. They don't want to deal with sin. They don't want to deal with accountability. You want to grow in your faith, you've got to be held accountable. You want to grow in your faith, you've got to be equipped. You want to grow in your faith and in your life, you've got to plant roots. Find the right place for you, no doubt. But don't you dare be one of these superficial church-hopping people. Don't do that. That is not Christianity. That is consumerism. Don't be that. 
Don't do that. We're looking for what? New heavens and a new earth where things will what? Cannot be shaken. Just this week, three, if not more, but three young men within our community all died. Tragically, suddenly died. I'm looking for a place that lives aren't taken. Where it says death is no more. Revelation 21. I'm looking forward to a kingdom where moms and dads, sisters and siblings and friends and cousins don't have to weep over the death of someone so young. I'm, I'm looking for more. Because for all of history, all the great thinkers have given the best they got. And all of their ideas are failing, flawed, sin tainted, and they can't get at the heart of the problem, which is the changing of the heart of man. Only God's spirit can do that. And so I do not look for the help of man, for where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. You see, I'm looking for life's change in the resurrection of the dead. And you say, the resurrection of the dead. Yeah, I'm looking for the resurrection of the dead, but I'm also looking for lives to be changed. And that's why we're about to dedicate these last few moments to just an intimate time of prayer. Uh, I'm gonna invite you down um, for those who would be willing to do that, whether it's over here on the steps or whatever. Trent, if you go ahead and come up, is uh, I, I just really want just this moment to specifically pray for our children, to pray for our community, to pray for our leaders who are serving this week. I mean, to pray for us as a church that we would stay the course, we'd keep our eyes on Jesus, that we would look to him. Like, that's what I would like to do at the end of this service. And so if you don't feel comfortable, stay where you are. If you feel comfortable, just come over here, find you a spot. And just we're gonna lift up prayers to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ that he would move powerfully in the midst of the children this week. Because this last week, I wanna tell you, was awesome. One of our young ones, Landry Kalitsky, gave her life to Jesus, amen? Gave her life to Jesus. Yeah, no, that's awesome, yes. Um, the, the Latham family, Beth, Joel, and Hallie had a conversation after church last Sunday. Life to Jesus, getting baptized, right? Again, it is joyful, it is good news. It is with grateful hearts that we receive and ask God to bless that which we are seeking to do in his name, to lift up his son, Jesus. And so we're gonna pray, y'all stand. Don't be bashful. If you're new with us, you can stay where you're at, but we'd still love to have you. We're just gonna pray to the Lord, and during this song, we're just gonna use this as an opportunity to lift up all of those who will come this week. Father God, we ask you in the mighty name of Jesus that your spirit move powerfully in the midst of all of these children this week. Every single family that comes in here, if they find the church as a whole, or church buildings or whatever, to be daunting, to be people who are judgmental. Father, may they come into a place where they are received, where they are loved, and where the gospel of Jesus is made clear and made known without any reservations. That that is who we are. We are the people of God, and we are seeking that others might know you, come to you, and celebrate with us the salvation that we have in Jesus Christ, for he is victorious. Lord God, during this song and during this time, may all of your saints Father, that feel comfortable, may we come forward and just lift up our hands in praise to you, praying for each and every one, some of which are by name, some of which are our own children, some are grandchildren. Lord God, I pray that you move powerfully. It's in the name of Jesus we pray.